0: We all know that bourbon is king in Kentucky when it comes to spirits, but something else is quickly brewing in popularity. The number of craft breweries in Kentucky is off the charts right now. For one brewery in central Kentucky, it's helping to do its part in revitalizing an area of downtown Cynthiana in Harrison County, one craft beer at a time. From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpott. Welcome into another edition of Uniquely Kentucky. This is the first time we're taking the show on the road. I have hit my hometown of Cynthiana, and we are, I guess this is the first time I've ever sat down with somebody where they're drinking a beer. I should be drinking a beer. Um, we're having a good time. We are in Cynthia and Maiden City. I'm with a good friend of mine, Alex Caldwell. I guess you would call him the co-owner, maybe master brewer here. Uh, I've known Alex for probably the better part of 10 years, and I've always known him as the guy that just loved to drink beer and weird beers. Is that right, Alex? Uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the stigma, as it were, but when you're in the craft beer world in this part of the United States, you kind of get that mantra because craft beer hasn't taken over here yet, so... It's, it's just one of those things I've always been into.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about, um, first of all, you opened Maiden City here, took a gamble on doing craft beer in a small town. Sure. What in the world were you thinking?
1: Um, I'm not real sure, quite honestly. Um, there were a couple different things that, that factored into to this decision, and meeting Austin and Jamie, the, the two other owners that are also from here, um, played a huge role in that. And um, I had just won a competition at West Six and they felt like there was some positive momentum there. And Cynthia, I think the previous year had started what they call the Summer Concert Series. They were having some food trucks come in that were also serving craft beer, and we had heard that the craft beer was moving for those events. Now that's a very small sample size, but we felt like if we could get started in Cynthia for a relatively you know, moderate price, um, not the same as Lexington or Georgetown by any stretch, we'd give it a go. And so we certainly took a, a leap of faith to a certain degree, but we, um, we you know, played the cards pretty close to the vest and it's, it's worked out really, really well.
0: For folks that maybe don't know a lot about craft beer, you just look at the numbers and you know it's growing. So some new numbers say in 2018, uh, the number of craft beer breweries operating in the U.S. top 7,000. Kentucky is actually tied with like New Jersey kind of leading the boom and the growth. And that's really cool to think about because here we tend to think about bourbon and whiskey being king.
1: Right, right. And you've done your homework because we just recently went to the Kentucky Brewers Guild annual conference, and that's the numbers they were sharing with us. So, Kentucky is still sort of behind the times in the craft beer world as far as the United States, but it's, like you say, one of the states that's growing the fastest currently. So, I guess you could add our name to that list as being breweries that have started here in the last couple years, and there's lots of breweries that are in the works of opening up. So, it's a very exciting time to be in the industry, And if you like to travel at all and you like craft beer, it's hard to go anywhere now and not find a little place like this on the map and, you know, be able to sink your teeth into what I think is probably a lot better option than what it used to be.
0: And I think it puts a lot of local places on the map for that because people then tend to associate, well, Cynthia and Maiden City and whatever their favorite beer is here that you guys, you know, craft.
1: Right. And, you know, Austin... Um, just moved here from Georgetown and his realtor said that one of the things that they're telling folks now that are trying to move to Cynthia is you got your own brewery here so you know like you say it's it's positive energy and you know this, there's a certain clientele that you're catering to but it, it just it increases foot traffic and popularity for your town and we might be I haven't looked this up but we are probably a brewery in one of the smallest towns in the state wow. And so there's lots of breweries in Kentucky, but this might be one of the only breweries that doesn't distribute. And as far as population, maybe in the smallest town in the state. And I think that's going to continue to grow and evolve. maybe in the next five or six years you're going to see a lot more of these type breweries open up that are not, you know, predicated on distribution as being part of their revenue stream.
0: Alex, take me back because I said that and it's a bit derogatory to you that you're the guy that just loves weird beer. But, I mean, that really <laughs> has been a passion for you. And I think there's a lot of people who think, well, I, could, I can go out and do some homebrew in, in the garage or whatever. But a lot goes into it. So where did you first find kind of the, the love, the taste, the passion for it?
1: Right. Well, it, it certainly all starts with my dad. Um... He was home brewing before home brewing was a thing, before it was cool or anything of that nature. Um, he's even told me about going to local Tasty Freezes and getting the dry malt extract from them that they use for malted shakes and, and starting that way on the stovetop. So my brother and I were exposed to craft beer and import beer early on. And he had taken a couple trips to Europe and brought back bottles. And, um, you know, as a young boy, you start venturing down to the basement and sorting things out, as it were. <laughs> and... Um, we, we were exposed to craft beer and, and, and good import beers long before anybody our age even knew what that or was. And so you get to college, and for me, I, I was always the guy that people would ask, you know, what do you think about this or that? Because they knew my old man, and, and he sort of was the godfather of homebrewing in this part of the world and helped found the, the Bach team in Lexington, the Brewers of Central Kentucky Homebrew Club. So there was that. And then as you age, your taste evolves and changes. And I found that to be true for me in my early 20s. Um, I just wasn't happy drinking mainstream American-style lagers. And once that happened, then I said, Dad, I would really like to learn how to make good beer. And so I don't know, Amber, it's maybe been seven or eight years ago. We started knocking out um, homebrew batches together. That grew and evolved, and then as you well know, Mm -hmm. um, following us next door, you know, I always like to keep something exotic around, and it usually depends on the season, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, life's too short to drink cheap beer (laughs) uh, the way I go at it, and there's always new and good options, especially right now in America
0: what um what goes into what you do because it's it's a lot of work i mean like you said it's not just i'm out in the garage tinkering and putting some stuff together it's a lot of effort i think right yeah,
1: we had no idea what we were doing um <laughs> we we're like yeah we'll be open a couple days a week and we'll just work a couple days a week but any small business owner knows um and we know now that it's a seven day a week kind of thing um but as far as the brewing process goes um you know, we, we brewed a batch of beer today, and there were maybe three or four hours of preparation before we walked in the door this morning. Mm-hmm. So there's that component, then the actual brew day for us is a six or seven hour day. Um, this batch of beer we made today is an, is an IPA, and it'll ferment for the next seven to 10, sometimes 14 days. And then after the firm, primary fermentation is over, we'll get it cold, which will help drop a lot of um, proteins out of suspension, and then we'll transfer it to what's called a bright tank. That vessel allows you to carbonate the beer; it gets it really cold. Mm-hmm. Then we can transfer from the bright tank into kegs. And so, it, on the short end of things, some styles lend themselves to being ready in maybe three weeks on the short end. Most ales are in that in that ballpark. Um, and then, if you talk about doing lagering, then you're talking months. Wow. So, you know. it it takes time. And and like you say, there's, and that's just brewing, you know, Maiden City is not just about making beer. Lord, we're open to the public four days a week. And so early on, you know, Austin and Jamie and I had to figure out how to juggle our time Mm -hmm. with no employees, um, trying to make beer and then somehow keep the homestead people happy. (laughs) And that was tricky. Wife and kids. Yeah, Yeah. That was tricky for a little bit
0: what makes what sets you all apart because I mean you guys do a lot of different flavors a lot of different things throughout the year Um, what goes into kind of deciding what's what here
1: right it's a good question Um, everybody in the brewing world wants to create a niche for themselves Mm -hmm. and there's 7,000 or some odd now so it's very difficult to you know separate yourself from everybody else Uh, the one thing that I know we do more than probably anybody else in this part of the country is braggart and braggart is a style of alcoholic beverage where you kind of combine meat and and beer Mm. so you have this huge fermented honey component Mm -hmm. and then you know half beer component and that lends itself to being slightly higher alcohol and that's a style that we usually do some sort of fruit addition and uh you know that that's something you don't see a whole lot of places i think in the northwest in oregon and washington it might be a bit more prevalent but i would say as far as our niche braggot would be sort of that flagship now as far as what we're brewing and when again it's just like how i drink it's it's seasonal <laughs> um we have in the last two years we just celebrated our two-year anniversary in december and in those two years we've learned sort of what our five or six flagship beers are um so we're we're consistently brewing those beers year round but you know just a season that that sort of predicates where we're going to go as far as a new batch so in the fall we want to have an Oktoberfest fest on mm-hmm. um, halloween has become crazy for pumpkin beers that is the most popular seasonal beer in america so you got to have a pumpkin ale on in the winter we do a a winter warmer and in the spring lots of folks do my box we haven't gone down that road but basically you brew based on weather um and 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 and, and let's be honest we didn't invent this (laughs) and so we're going on things that have been happening for five and six hundred years a thousand years in europe a lot of what we do is based that way because that's how I learned from my father. Very traditional European styles, and you know, those guys have been doing it so long. You just kind of take a page out of their book and say, Hey, this is when you brew it, so just, just do it.
0: You don't have to reinvent the wheel, no, you just throw a little extra in it, but you don't have to reinvent it. Give me the breakdown. I'm gonna, my husband is here with me, and I'm gonna throw him under the bus right now. So, <laughs> we're people that didn't know a lot about craft beer. So, what's like the quick 101 for folks that are like, You know, I just don't love craft beer, it's heavy or I just don't like the flavor. How do you give them the 101 to say, here's what you need to know to come in and try it?
1: Right. And, and that, that goes back to you know taking the risk in Cynthiana because we, we still have to cater to the Michelob Ultra, Bud Light, Coors Light people that walk in the door. And that's at least when I was bartending, before we had bartenders. I would get that question two or three times a night. Walk in, what do you got like Michelob Ultra? Well, the water fountain's right around the corner. Just <laughs> go pour yourself a pint. Did You all
0: see that? I bet you yeah. did tell him
1: that. I'm sure I thought it'd loud. <laughs> um, but, but the easiest thing to do is try to find something that's light in body, middle of the road, and our Blondale is that for a reason, and that's our most popular beer for that reason. Mm-hmm. So as far as educating folks, what, what, what you've got to try to get them over initially is the hump of how the beer looks okay because most people that, that drink those styles american lagers when you put something in front of them that's even amber in color yeah. they start to get a little little squirrely and a little nervous so there are lots of beers out there that are light in body that look mm-hmm. that look very dark and they are but you just you have to have educated people behind the bar that's that's imperative if you want this to succeed because you have to be able to educate your patrons because a lot of them are coming in here for the first time and trying craft beer for the first time. So you absolutely tiptoe them in the very shallow end of the pool, blonde ale. If they're not crazy about beer, give them a cider and see what Which happens. Which is
0: huge right now. I mean, absolutely. I appreciate that. A lot of people know that I'm, you I know, have celiac and have to go gluten-free. So I really appreciate that. And so that's all whole other element you get into then when you're crafting one of those, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's completely different beverage altogether. That's, that's all from apple juice. And then you throw the yeast at it and it turns the the juice into alcohol as it were. And you got cider at that point. And we have found cider to be one of our flagships Mm. and we we do lots of iterations, but we'll do another fruit edition. I think we have a pineapple cider on the board at Mm. the moment. So anything along those lines, again, bridges that gap for lots of folks because you know, beer for them needs to be very light and easy drinking, and if they can't even tolerate the Bluegrass Blonde, then they might try something a little fruitier that's a different animal altogether, and they can find a home there.
0: How did House Bill 136 help change things for you last year? You know, that for folks that may be not familiar with that, they allowed you guys to produce and sell more in-house. Um, without having to have like a, a distribution, I guess, if you will.
1: Right. If we're being completely transparent, it didn't do a ton for us okay. just because of our size sure. and how much we make. Now, it does allow us to sell kegs directly to the public, which we couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And we've done a little bit of that. So, so that's so. always helpful to be able to get people what they want because normally what, what you would have to do is sell your keg to the distributor. The distributor takes it to the liquor store, mm-hmm. then your guy goes and picks it up. And so the middleman takes a chunk which is fine, that's the way the state's set up. But it allows us to sell directly to the patron. I think you're allowed to do 31 gallons a day, which is two half-barrel kegs. If somebody wanted to throw a big wedding reception, that's an option to go straight to the brewery and get what they want. Um, as far as speaking for the entire state, I think the big boys would have a lot more to yeah. say about it, just because of the quantities they yeah. produce. You talk to Country Boy in West Six and Against the Grain and All Tech, that probably helped them quite a bit. And I know they fought hard to get those bills passed, and lots of our buddies um, at those breweries went to the state and did what they had to do to make that happen. We're grateful. Um, but it's it's that kind of progress and that kind of momentum that just shows and tells you what the craft beer industry is doing in the state.
0: Are, do you find that, I, I know you guys do a lot of um, kind of field tripping, you know, you go around, you see a lot of people out of state, in state, you've gone all across the world. Sure. Do you find that the craft beer industry is one where you guys are kind of trying to help each other out or is it very competitive?
1: Um, it's, it's very, very, very friendly and sort of help your brother out along the way. I inherently am ex- extremely competitive. <laughs> yes, so, you are. So it's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, you know, everybody being that generous. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's exactly what that community is. And even before we started Maiden City, you know, my father and I and my wife, Tara, you know, we would go on beer as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, and basically everywhere you go, you're trying to find a new spot, a new brewery. Um, a new beer or style you haven't tried and and the whole time you're doing that you're networking not not thinking about it so much and everybody's always grateful and gracious and wants to talk and and um you know that's that's just part of it and and i don't know how other many you know how many other industries sort of operate that way but you know it's not uncommon for us to you know need a an ingredient from time to time and i could call anybody in this area that's cool and and they would they would open up the doors today if they weren't open get me what I needed so we can knock out a batch of beer so it's very friendly and to take it to another level we don't we don't possess keg washers and that's part of the process for us is Mm -hmm. once the keg's been emptied we got to get it clean so we can put new beer in it and we know everybody at Country Boy Brewing and their their new distribution center Mm -hmm. here just outside of Cynthiana in Georgetown and they've allowed us to come over there and wash kegs so, it's, it's that kind of community that just really pushes this forward, and it's, it's amazing to be a part of.
0: Since you've opened, it's been amazing to me, being from a small town, to come in here on, you know, when we're in for the holidays, but now, I mean, you guys have, have made a niche for people on nights where you're just doing trivia, or you're doing, now you've got, you know, a big dart section in the back. What has that been like to see, because you're, you're from Bourbon County originally you made home here in Harrison County what's that been like to see this kind of place bring people together of all ages really
1: right and and I'll have to say that I am from Nicholas County um,
0: you were on the line I'm yeah, sorry I, I mean, gave you bourbon yeah, it's, it's I, all good it's I realized that buddy
1: yeah I'm hooked town that's okay um, through, through it's all you're good. so close I'm I went sorry. to school at Paris so that's I know that's, that's where I got yeah um, but yeah it's it's been pretty incredible to see how <laughs> downtown Cynthia has changed and when we when we signed the lease just in this block of pike street i would say 80 percent of the storefronts were vacant Mm -hmm. and you can look out there and walk the street right now and i would say it's closer to 10 or 15 percent are vacant and you know i don't i don't think we would take all the credit for that but we've certainly helped spearhead a revitalization and like you say the food trucks Mm -hmm. um the trivia the darts are all things that that cynthiana hadn't as far as I know ever had. I'm sure there were dartboards and things of that nature, but it's created um, a viable option for entertainment for a demographic that was leaving Cynthia and Harrison County. And so once you do that, and you get that demographic demographic mm-hmm. used to staying put, then you sort of change the game. And that's why I think you're seeing a lot more foot traffic downtown. You're seeing more storefronts that are open for business. And it's it's been incredible to be a part of, but it, it, you know, we're not making a ton of money here, but, but the pride you get from, from doing such a thing is so incredible that it just forges you ahead. You obviously want to make the best product you can. Um, but just the support you get, and even on slow days on Sundays, you know, we, we got Sunday sales passed here early Mm -hmm. on, those are the days where people tend to come in from out of town and they're they're trying to check a box off the list of a brewery they haven't been to take a nice sunday drive let's hit up maiden city and just spending time with those folks that are into the craft beer industry and into the world of, of drinking good beer you get a lot back from that it's it's very rewarding so you know there's there's lots of perks to this sort of thing and it's a labor of love no doubt but just the, the steady success that we've had is incredible. And it's, it's awesome to do it right here where I call home now. And, uh, you know, people know who you are when you, when you do that sort of thing in this size town. And it's something my wife and I are super proud to be a part of.
0: A lot of people, maybe if they're not from Cynthia, they don't know Cynthia is known as the maiden city. So kind of talk to me a little bit about incorporating that history of that into the name. Was there right. some thought into
1: that? There was. Um, you know, just like we talked about, we don't distribute. And we knew early on we were going to be a small brewery. So we knew that we had to have the the people of Cynthia and Harrison County sort of wrap their arms around us. If we didn't keep those people at home drinking our beer, we were going to have a hard time surviving. So circle that back to let's name this place, What, what what's the thought? And so we wanted to find something that made sense for here. And the moniker of Cynthia, unbeknownst to me, was the maiden city, is the maiden city. And the little story that goes along with that, you know, makes good sense to us. And we just thought that would be a way for people to embrace what we're doing and, you know, this is, this is their brewery, and, and the reason we brew the beers we brew is not based just on season, but people come in and they ask for certain things, and foolishly, we, we, tend, to, <laughs> we tend to make them, um, which is why for a brewery our size, having 16 beers on tap is pretty foolish. Um, but it gives people lots of options. Most breweries our size, it's just a two-barrel system, mm-hmm. might only do three or four beers, wow. and we've got 16, so... We we love making beer and we love making good beer. We love making different beer. And if you come in here and you suggest something that's not on the board, I guarantee you in the next four to six months it'll be up there.
0: It makes your brain start turning thinking Absolutely. about it, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's,
1: it's just like cooking. You know, as soon as you get an idea for a recipe, you you inherently want to knock it out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we did a new beer today. had people bugging us out of us for <laughs> I could have beat it. It's yeah, all right <laughs> for for an IPA. Um, uh-huh. But that's a style that's popular in bigger cities mm-hmm. where craft beer's been around for a while. <clears throat> and Cynthiana early on didn't care anything about it. They, they didn't want the hops. So an IPA has got a lot more residual bitterness. In the last couple months, we get more and more people requesting such things. So That
0: means people's taste buds must be changing <coughs> or at least they're, you know, start. I think it's really cool because at one point, you know, in this county a long time ago, bourbon whiskey there were <coughs> like 30 distilleries here so now right. I think all these years later that something like this is kind of set up shop is is really cool to kind of add to that history if you will of the county
1: right right and there's a mural right around the corner mm-hmm. here with some of the old distilleries that I was unfamiliar with um but yeah it, it just it gives this community something else to kind of wrap their arms around and the, the history in this part of the state is rich with with bourbon history and you know bourbon county used to be a third of the state it was it was huge. So there were distilleries everywhere, and with good reason. The water here predicates itself for making such things. We found out early on that that water wasn't so good for making beer. <laughs> so you, you, um, you got to take a page out of that book and, and learn some water chemistry, but we have, we have evolved and adapted and, and done some different water chemistry additions, and I think we're making really good beer.
0: And we should say, you know, you kind of have to be a chemist. I mean, by, by trade, by day, you are a physical therapist, right? right? So... Those two worlds don't really, I guess, interchange, but... They're
1: both therapeutic in nature. Therapeutic
0: Uh. in nature. Very good. All right. Um, Let's talk about something I'm super, uber proud of. I will never forget the day that I'm sitting on the set, um, have my phone right beside me. I always check if I get text messages. And I get a text message from you going, what if we named a beer after you? (laughs) And knowing you, I thought, oh, you're messing with me, whatever. And then I get the moniker that's up on the board at times through the years. So it is a Philpot Amber Ale. Right. I will have to say that was my dad's proudest moment of me and probably my mom's lowest point yeah. for me. But it is so special. That really means a lot to me.
1: Well, you're very Where did
0: that come from?
1: <clears throat> well, um, I, think, I think Austin might have spawned that idea. But, um, you know, that's that's the style. It's an amber ale. And uh, Austin's super goofy and comes <laughs> up with goofy names, just like <laughs> I do for beers. But he said, what if we call it Amber Pot? And I was like, uh... Let me, let me make a phone call and, and, and see how that's going to go over. But after talking about it, Philpot Amber had a better ring mm-hmm. to it for that reason. And um, that's, that's one of the cool parts about having a craft brewery. Mm. And, and craft breweries in general, you get to make up some really silly names. And you can look at our board and, and see what we've done there. But that's, that's one of the fun parts about the job. Um, of course, drinking free beers is good, too. I mean, there's some sweat equity in it. But drinking free beer sure. and making up funny names is one of the cool parts about doing Well, this. it's
0: very special to me, and every time I get somebody that's come in and they either see it on the board <laughs> or they're drinking it, they take a picture, I make sure to send it right back out. What do you think the next, like, wave or the next future is for craft beer? Because obviously we've seen the growth, we've seen the, the boom in it. Kentucky is certainly kind of getting on board. What do you see down the pike for this?
1: Well, um, and, and this, is, this is coming from the conference we just went to, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of a shakeout. Um, I don't, I don't think this area is oversaturated at all, but there certainly are parts of the country that maybe are, are going that direction. So I think what you're going to see is the people that continue to make really good beer are going to be fine, and the people that are on the edge of that are, are going to maybe get pushed um, to the side a little bit, but the numbers are already proven that the craft beer volume, drinking volume is down in the last year. and we're not going to feel that at all as small as we are but the big the big boys Sierra Nevada Mm -hmm. Sam Adams those guys are already feeling that and it's going to trickle down eventually we might be five or ten years away from that but I think what you're going to see is you're going to continue to see small breweries grow and develop but I think you're going to see the quality of craft beer in America get better um, because it's going to have to if you want to be viable um, you've got to make a good product the the other thing i'll say is it's been interesting to watch how different uh styles of beer have evolved when when i started drinking a lot of craft beer sours Mm -hmm. weren't weren't a big deal in america and and that phase has sort of come and gone so we've seen that that whole evolution of barrel age products using wine barrels um, port sherry to make sour beers and that's been very popular, and I think that's sort of on the downturn of the bell curve, and right now there's a style called a, a New England IPA, and it's called the Haze Craze, so it's a real hazy beer, um, kind of hits you in the face with the hop aroma, it's very fruity in nature, and that's a beer that they actually just made a new style guideline for for judging purposes, so, you know, I, I kind of keep my finger on the pulse, we we still travel as much as we can now with the time that, that needs to be here, but it's it's fun to watch those things kind of ebb and flow um with with styles and there there's a, a brute ipa that's popular now where they're using more of a champagne style yeast so it ferments right. out very dry um which is something that's gaining traction all the time so it's it's very interesting to watch and see kind of what's coming down the pike uh hemp beer is, yes. is something you're going to continue to see because the hemp industry as you well know booming uh, is booming especially mm-hmm. in this part of the world mm-hmm. so you know. I- I wish I could, could tell you what it looks like, and I wish I could tell you what it looks like for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's the beauty of, of doing this, is the only thing you can forecast is change. And uh, you know I hope in a couple years Maiden City looks a little bit different, because if it doesn't, we've probably done something wrong. Yeah. So we're going to continue to evolve, and we're going to continue to keep our heads down and make really good beer. And, and as these um, styles change, we're going to go with them, um, because that's what people want, and that's what you got to do.
0: So two questions I always ask my guests. Um, one, just because um, I just I think when I talk business owners and people that are out there doing things, I just want to know kind of what they're reading. Are there any books that are important to you that have helped you? Kind of, I don't know. Are there well, beer guides you love? I don't know. But that,
1: I, I, yeah, um, I, I, I don't. Things that
0: inspire you, things that keep you going, kind of sure. on the business side.
1: The, the inspiration comes from drinking. You go go to some place and get a get a flight. And, cool. and try four beers and maybe four styles you've never had before and see where that puts you. Sure. Because your olfactory is going to work the memory bank and that's what's going to cause you to, to to be inspired in my opinion. Now, mm-hmm. I, I learned by doing and, yeah. and my dad taught me how to homebrew and unfortunately that's one of my shortcomings is that I, I haven't had the education as it were out of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's more just learning and, and what feels right from what I've learned hands-on. So. You know, to, to answer your question, uh, I, don't, I don't read a whole lot of literature. Yeah. I'll find something I'm crazy about as far as drinking, and I'll look at a clone recipe. And then just from my knowledge base and what I've done in the past, I'll sort of evolve that recipe mm-hmm. to kind of make it our own.
0: We call this podcast Uniquely Kentucky, and I love to ask my guests what you think makes Kentucky so unique.
1: The list goes on and on. I mean, born and bred, uh, bluegrass is a special place for, for you and I. Uh, wow, well, Amber. I would I would say the biggest thing is is just the nature of folks around here. Um, very uncommon to, to not go down the road and wave at somebody. Very uncommon not to run into somebody you do or don't know and be greeted warmly. That that's that's what makes this place special. And that's part of being in the South. Uh, the bluegrass is always gonna is always gonna be home. And Lord, growing up on a farm makes it different. <laughs> so if you if you grew up with those if, with those smells and 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 being outside it it sort of changes who you are inherently and um you know i I love everything about here uh horse racing bourbon all that stuff is quintessential but but just being from here and what i think is being a wholesome character is what this place is all about and you know i would say austin and jamie and i would all agree to that and and all sort of fit that mold and that's why we work so well together and that's why i think this place has been as successful as it has
0: tell folks if they want to come check the bucket list and say I've been to Maiden City, when are you open, where are you located so people know.
1: Right, downtown Cynthia, 123 East Pike Street uh, we are open Thursdays from 5 to 10, 5 to 11 depending on the crowd. Fridays is the same 5 to 11 sort of thing. Saturdays we start at noon and, and stay open till 11 or 12 again depending on the crowd and then Saturday or Sundays we've been doing 1 to 7. So uh, you know if you, if you get a chance to take that Sunday drive mm-hmm. or any day um, especially on a day like this when the sun's finally out, get on get on the road and um, come to Maiden City. We'd love to have you and share a pint.
0: And check out Facebook because you guys always have live music and, and sure. you tell which you know food trucks are going to be around. So make sure you check social media as well. Right?
1: Yeah, Facebook page, Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, I hesitate to say I'm not the tech, tech guy. Jamie is. <laughs> it's I, I all right. We might have Instagram. I'm sure I don't know. Um, but yes, food trucks. Yeah. My wife has got that on the mm-hmm. lock. So food trucks, music usually saturday night for the music and uh yeah follow us
0: alex i sure am glad that you were my neighbor all those years <laughs> ago we were neighbors for about 10 years we both decided to move at the same time That's and right. lo and behold you came back to Cynthia, which i think is amazing so cheers to you and the next how many every years for maiden city
1: thank you so much
0: big thanks to alex caldwell and the folks at maiden city cheers to them on brewing some incredible beer and also adding to the craft beer boom in Kentucky. If you're ever in Cynthiana, try a Philpot Amber Ale. Until next time, I am Amber Philpot. I'll see you on the news on WKYT.